0: Today's message will help you to see how God works in the Christian's life, as good as anything I think you'll you'll find. So I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Romans, the book of Romans, and chapter 9, Romans and chapter 9. I brought many messages over the years from the book of Romans, and I've even talked before about the Potter and the clay. But this is more along the lines of the power of the potter. The power of the potter. And if you follow me, I believe you'll understand the book of Romans better. And you'll also understand a little bit more about how God works in your personal life. It can help you. So here in the book of Romans in chapter 9, there are some verses that seem to say that Everything that happens is the will of God. And there are people that really believe that it doesn't matter of good, bad, or indifferent, Everything is the will of God. And so I've often wondered if those who do believe that, when they pay their insurance and they have a car accident, do they file a claim? I mean, if it's the will of God, you know. But anyway, we'll move right along. Look at verse 14. Verse 14, chapter 9, says, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Because isn't it true that sometimes we judge what God does? That's not fair. And God loves some people more than He loves others. And God blesses some people more than He blesses others. I mean, He gave somebody a million dollars. He didn't give me a million We're always sitting in judgment on God, wondering why God does what He does or why He doesn't stop what He could have stopped if He's in charge. Look at all the bad things that are going on in life that, well, if if God so loved the whole world, why is He letting us go through all of this? Well, I'm glad you asked. So he makes a statement, verse 15. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the land. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say unto me then, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? If God does everything he wants to do, And you can't do anything contrary to His will, then how did I violate the will of God? If everything that I do, good, bad, or indifferent, was the will of God. Hmm. So he says here in verse 19, Thou wilt say unto me, Who hath, or why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? Have not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel into honor and another vessel into dishonor? Wow. Those are some very powerful verses. And it sometimes gives you the impression that um, whatever will be will be. And this is why sometimes there's people who believe that God has already predetermined who he's going to save. So they are going to go to heaven. And he's already predetermined, you know, if he didn't save them, then they have to go to hell. So, it doesn't matter if we witness or we don't witness, because, you know, if they're going to be saved, they're going to be saved. And if they're lost, they're already lost, and God already knows who's going to heaven, and He knows who's going to hell. So, what difference does it make? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die it. A die. So, this is why people have a problem with these verses. But I, I want to address this, because sometimes we look at the 9th, 10th, and 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews and say, okay, that's uh, chapter 9, the past, chapter 10 is the present, and chapter 11 is the future. We can take those three chapters right out of the book of Romans and go from chapter 8 straight into chapter 12, and it flows perfectly. And it does. It's amazing. But I believe chapter 9, 10, and 11 is in there for a reason. There's a reason why it's there. And I want to show that to you. Look at your notes there. The first point we want to make is the will of the potter. We need to know what is the will of the potter. What is he trying to do? Uh, Before we get there, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. And look there in verse 9. Verse 9. Because this also hits the same subject. The power of the potter the power of the maker, the creator of the world, who has the right to do what he wants to do. And he's laid it down and says, now this is how I'm going to work. So in verse 9, this is on page 754 in the church Bible, but in verse 9 it says, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, what makest thou, or thy works, uh, he hath no hands. So, why is God doing what he's doing the way that God does it? And I was told the other day that, uh, you know, we talked about this, clay is clay. You and I are made out of the clay, the dust of the earth. And I says, you know, a rose by any other name is still a rose. And a ranch Meeting A ranch is a ranch, I don't care what you call it, a ranch is still a ranch. And a door is a door, unless it's a jar. <laughs> but anyway, we'll move right along. The Bible says that God the maker is able to take the clay, and there's a purpose on why God does what he does. And so I want you to go back to the book of Romans. And while you're going there, you look at little letter A there. The will of the potter is to give the clay the power to perform. You see, there's things that God wants from us. And He's the potter. We're the clay. So He wants to give to the clay the power to perform. Because how do I perform the will of God? So God has to have the will of the potter. Because if he shapes me in any way, forms me, it must be for a purpose. So I need to know what is the purpose that God had in mind. True transformation cannot be the results of natural means. In other words, there's the things in this world. But you see, once you trust Christ as Savior, you are a spiritual individual. So you are transformed by spiritual means. And it's not the natural things. So that means that God's going to use some spiritual things to accomplish his purpose in spiritual things. So we are all just hunks of clay. And some clay is shaped different than others. And some of these young fellows sitting down here on the front row. Now, right now, see, there's that stage where they don't like girls. But a little bit later, they're going to start liking girls. And they're going to see that, uh, you know... The clay is shaped differently, but they need to remember that as you get older, even that hourglass figure, all the sand will go to the bottom. There's more there than meets the eye. But you and I need to understand that there's the potter and he has a will for the clay. That's you and me. We're we're, we're the clay and he's going to shape us. Remember when God made the first man? He formed him from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God had a purpose. So with every one of us, God has a purpose. So understand, and I want you to see this. Look in Romans in chapter 3. Because 9, 10, and 11 deals with the nation of Israel, but he's letting us know that the problems with the Gentiles is the Gentiles... Are hardened clay. And then he talks about the Jewish people, and even though he gave them the Word of God, and they had an advantage, they were hardened clay. Look what he says in verse 1, chapter 3. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So God has given to them the divine Word and then as you'll notice in your notes there, that God also has given to us something else. You see, the clay has to be shaped and molded. So whenever you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you believe that when he, Christ died, He died for you, and you trusted Him, then He has taken you as a piece of clay, and you've put you on this little potter's wheel, and he's gonna, He wants to make something out of you now. You are a child of God. But that just gives you the new birth. That puts you in the potter's hands by choice. And now as a child of God, you can choose. There are some things that God wants to apply to this clay in order to make it, you know, flexible in the potter's hands. So he tells us that he gives to us the Word of God. And if the clay will receive the Word of God... He also makes a statement, and I want you to see this. Look in the book of Romans in chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And this is an understanding that only those who are the sons of God can be led by the Spirit of God. So it is the Holy Spirit that leads His children Now, some of God's children will be led, and some of them will not be. But the Spirit can only lead and guide His children. So you are a hunk of clay. You have a physical body, and God wants to accomplish something in your life. So He applies the Word and the Holy Spirit to the clay, and you're the one that as a child of God can be receptive you can let the Word of God marinate in the clay. This is why he says, study the Word of God and yield to the Holy Spirit so that it can shape and form the clay. Now, if you reject the yielding to the Holy Spirit and you will not let the Holy Spirit lead you according to the Word of God, then you will be a piece of clay that will be hard and brittle. And God may have to Break the clay, and then whenever you're ready, God is a God of second chance, and third chance, and fourth chance. And He may have to set you aside because you refuse to yield to the potter's hands. So this is why this is important. So look there in uh, your notes. And you'll notice that I have perform as one risen from the dead. You see, the Lord God, our Maker, our Creator, The one who saved us and took us into his family wants us to live and perform as one that has been risen from the dead. You say, well, that's impossible. Yeah, I know. There you go. It's impossible. And he says, also, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. All right, let's just look there in chapter 6. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer would be no. So God does not want His children to continue living in sin. So He says in verse 2, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So God wants you and I to live as someone who has come back from the dead. Now we're supposed to live this miraculous life as though we've never sinned. Not continue in sin? So that's going to be pretty rough. How in the world is a child of God supposed to be able to perform the will of God? How can the clay fulfill the will of the potter? So God is going to tell us how he's going to do that. This is the purpose of chapter 9 and chapter 10 and chapter 11. Because it deals with this subject of the potter who has the power over the clay. But don't forget this. The Bible is not teaching only that God has a will, but that man has a will. Look there in your Bible to the book of Romans in chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and notice what he says in verse 13. Now look at your notes and they have the will of the clay. How do you perform the perfect will of God When you don't know how to perform. I don't know how to change me. See, you may have trusted Christ as Savior. That gives you eternal life. You're now a child of God. But God wants to do something in your life. He wants to change you into something. But what is it? What does this potter want to, you know, mold me into an image of what? What am I supposed to do or what am I supposed to be? And so, you see there, to perform You must yield. Look in chapter 6 of Romans and verse 13. Verse 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God. You'll notice this this word here, yield, that's your choice. It means you have a will. God did not destroy your will. So there is the will of the potter. And there is the will of the clay. God will not violate your will. God, as the potter, wants to shape the clay into his will according to your will. If you rebel against the Word and rebel against the Holy Spirit then you cannot be shaped or fashioned, formed or transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's impossible. So God tells us how He's going to do what He is going to do. Now, I put it there in bold, so I want you to look at that. Yielding reveals it is the clay that makes the choice. So how does God work? Now, He goes through and explains the problem Because every one of us wants to know, how do I perform? So I'm glad you asked that question. Look in verse 18 of Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 18 says, For I know that in, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. In other words, man has a will. You see that's mentioned in verse 15, 16, and 17. Where he says, "For that which I do, I allow. I allow not. For what I would, that's his choice. It's a will that do I not. But what I hate, you have the will to hate, but not do. See, it's your will. God did not destroy the will of the clay, which many people teach that man has no will, and God imputes his will upon a person." Against their will. And it doesn't matter. But notice, in verse 17, Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me. I have the will. I want to fulfill the will of the potter. I want the potter to use me, to shape me, to mold me, to make me into the pattern that thou hast planned. Remember years ago, I read a little poem to y'all, or I quoted it or something. When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and He shows His plan for me, the plan of my life, had He had His way, and I see. How I checked Him here, and I checked Him there, and I would not yield my will, though He would have me rich. And I stand there poor, poor of all but His grace. While memory runs like a haunted dream down the paths I cannot retrace. Lord of the years that are left for me, I give them into thy hand to take me, mold me, make me into the pattern that thou hast planned. So there is the will of man that you can choose. Yes, I want the will of God for my life. And by doing so, you can be some clay that God can shape and mold. And if you harden your heart against the will of God then you'll be a piece of clay that God will set aside and not be able to use. Because, you see, He can't shape you or form you against your will. So does man have a will? As you read here, you'll find out, yes, man has a will. Does God have a will? Yes, God has a will. So how is God going to do all of this? How can man find fault with God for doing what God wants to do? God says, I did it this way. Because I'm not going to take and go against a person's will. You can yield or not yield. But why tell us to yield if it's really I don't have a choice one way or the other? Evidently, we do have choices. We can choose one way or the other. So he says in the last part of verse 18, very important. He says, for to will is present with me, but, and see those words, how to perform. How do I perform as a piece of clay the will of God. So God has the power to shape the clay so that the clay can perform the will of God. This is why he says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, so that he can perform the will of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, that the man of God can be thoroughly furnished unto every good work, so that he can perform, do the work God wants him to do. But that's why God gave us his word. And this is why you'll find out God uses some people and not other people. Because some people will yield and some people will not yield. It's the person's choice. Now look at number three there in your notes. The potter presents his perfect plan to the clay. Go to chapter 9 of the book of Romans. Chapter 9 is the past of Israel Chapter 10, the present time of Israel. And chapter 11 is about Israel's future. But under chapter 9, we have God chooses the clay. God chooses the clay. So God reached down upon this world, and He chose a hunk of clay, and He's going to make something out of this clay. And the clay says, all that he asked us to do, we will do. So the will of the clay was, yes. And so that's why, as a nation, they promised God they would do the will of the Father. And so he gave them the word, took them into the land, and he promised blessings. And then they rebelled against God. They wouldn't listen to what God's word had to say, what the prophets had to say. They didn't listen to the warnings that Moses had given them in chapter 18 of the book of Deuteronomy and so forth. And they rebelled against the Lord. They hardened themselves. And so God took them out of the land. So there was a time when Israel was young and he could shape them a little bit and mold them a little bit. Put them into the land like he had promised. And then Israel hardened himself. And so God set them aside. And that's why you find that the Lord says, look in verse 6 of chapter 9. Though, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, as though the word of God had no effect. No, there were some people, individuals that did believe. But as a nation, the clay hardened itself. And so because it hardened itself, God set them aside. So when you get to chapter 10, in this present time in which we live, Israel did not submit themselves unto the righteousness that God sent. You see, that's why he made this statement in verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. But Israel wouldn't believe that. And that's why he makes the statement in the verse 3. Look in verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness... See those words? Have not submitted. When you will not submit your will to God and will not believe the gospel that God gave, that a man can be saved by grace and grace alone, you harden yourself against that truth. But then you're going to have to find a substitute, something else to believe beside the truth. Does God tell us that salvation, going to heaven, is by grace alone? That's the best news that anybody's ever heard in their whole life. But if you don't believe that, you're going to have to believe that you're saved by your works. It's either grace or it's works. It's either free or you've got to earn it. And if it's grace, well, that makes you happy. How many of you know you're going to heaven when you die? Let me see again. hand. Okay, put it down. How many you know you're going to hell? No, that doesn't make See, aren't you happy you're going to heaven because you know you're going to heaven because you know it doesn't depend on you? Because grace does that. But if you're saved by your works, well, you'll have to wait till you die to find out if you're good enough. So God says it's not by your works. But people are going to do that anyway. So there's a lot of people who have hardened themselves against the truth of God. Israel had done just that. They went about establishing their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So as a nation, God took that hardened clay and set them aside. Now, is God wrong for doing this? No. It's because their will clashed with the will of God. You see, God has already decided to work with any clay that will yield to Him. But He will not do it against your will. So as you yield to the Lord, God is able to shape your life. And He'll work in your life. And you'll see the hand of God in your life, and you'll love what you see, and how God can move. Harden yourself against the will of God, and you'll see your Heavenly Father, He's going to chasten you, and you're not going to like the result. But remember this, that's because the clay rebelled against the will of the potter. It's not the potter's fault. It's not God's fault. God is the God of all the earth, and shall not the God of all the earth do right? Who can find anything wrong with the way God does things? So as a child of God, you can either yield to the will of God, and God will bless you and reward you when you get to heaven and use you in a great way, or God may have to chasten you, set you aside, and you'll waste your life. Now, don't don't blame that on God. God will use every piece of clay that wants to be used. And God will take you and make something out of you and do what you cannot do yourself. Now in chapter 11, we have the clay one of these days is going to be softened. And Jesus Christ is going to come back in power and great glory and they will see the Savior. And each one of the nation of Israel, they will be born as in a day. And they're going to trust the Lord. And they will be grafted back into the original root, which was Christ himself. So you see, Israel, oh yes, God took that piece of clay. And then they hardened themselves, and God set it aside. The church is not Israel. That's a different piece of clay. And so one day, God's going to come back. And you're going to take that little hunk of clay of Israel and going to make them into the greatest nation the world has ever seen. Now, look at number four. Number four. Number four, the brethren presents the imperfect clay to the potter. You see, you and I are incomplete at this point. We're complete in Christ. But in this world, there's things that God wants us to know. There's some more work God wants to do in our life. And what he has begun, he wants to complete. He wants to finish. There's a a work to be done. So God has to bring us from childhood to adulthood. And the only thing that lies between a child of God and a man of God is the Word of God that lies in between. So by rejecting the Word of God, you're not going to be flexible clay. You reject the leading of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you'll grieve the Holy Spirit, and you will not be flexible clay. He can't shape you, mold you into what He wants. Yes, you're still God's child, and you'll be surprised that, yes, God, because of His long suffering, His mercy, His goodness, He'll still, yes, you only can enjoy some things in life. But it'll never be what you could have been. And you won't know that till you get to heaven. You'll find out how you hardened yourself against God. Don't do that. Stay teachable in God's hands. Stay pliable. Let God work in your life. Don't get hardened and bitter toward God because you didn't get what you wanted or the way you wanted it. God knows what He's trying to make out of our lives. That's what He says here, and I want you to take your Bible and look in Romans in chapter 12. You see, we could go from chapter 8 and go straight into chapter 12 and forget about chapter 9, 10, and 11. But 9, 10, and 11 is letting us know how God works As the potter with the clay. Because as you come through the book of Romans and you get to chapter 6, because you've been justified in chapter 5, because you understand the righteousness in chapter 4, you find out that yes, as a child of God, God has a perfect will for my life. And so God is able to shape us and to mold us into the kind of a person that God wants us to be. Now, When you get to chapter 12, and it makes a statement in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore. Therefore means, look at what went before this. So you understand how God works. Then he says there in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, believers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. These bodies of ours is a hunk of clay. This hunk of clay, this body, I am supposed to present this clay to the potter as a living sacrifice. It means it's a, a sacrifice that's teachable, that's usable, that's pliable, that God can bend it and shape it any way he wants. I'm presenting my body to the Lord. And as he says here, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable for you and I, as a child of God, to present as clay to the potter. And then notice what he says in verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Because, see, that means you can be conformed to the world. See, God did not take away your will. If it was the will of God... For all of God's children to be totally transformed by the power of God, then why didn't it all happen? Because God does not go against your will. You can choose whether or not to be conformed to the world. So some of God's children let the world mold them. And that's because of the pressure from without. And so they're shaped like the world. They look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, And they fall in love with the world. So they'll be just like the world. Those are vessels that God cannot use for His honor and glory. But He can use them to bestow His chastening hand upon. So you can rebel against the Lord and God can still use you. But that's not the way you want to be used. That God does not tolerate disobedience from His children. And God can chasten and God can discipline. But then He also makes the statement, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. This is why it makes the statement in chapter 8. The Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit is to lead us. And he also makes a statement. Look at it very quickly. I want you to see this in chapter 8 of Romans. In chapter 8, he also makes a statement in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. It means the, the hardness, the problems... With the clay. God can take these lumps of clay. And we all have problems. It's like having gravy with lumps in it. You ever have lumps in the gravy? Or lumps in the grits? It needs a little bit more stirring. Maybe a little bit more heat. But God knows everything that's weak. We have infirmities. We're not always the way we ought to be. So the Holy Spirit living within us, applying the Word of God to us, as God spins us around on the table and He shapes and molds us by the hand of God into the vessel that God wants us to be. And if we yield, you'd be surprised what God can do for your life. Now, when He makes a statement there in verse 2, look at verse 2, Romans in chapter 12. He says, But be it not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your what? So that's the choice you make. Present your body. That's a choice you make. See, God's already chosen every piece of clay that will yield himself to the power of the potter. God is going to work in their life. And God can make something wonderful out of you. And God has a particular purpose for your life. But isn't it a shame when so many people harden themselves against the will of God and they become more like the world and they do the things of the world and not the things of God? You only get one trip through life no reruns, no instant replays, just one trip through life. Wouldn't it be a shame to mess it all up because of a hard heart, a rebellious spirit? And God says, and suddenly they're broken off and that without remedy. In other words, some people will not yield to the Lord. Whatever God wants me to do, I just want to do it. I don't even want to argue with God. Just tell me what to do. And if it's right, that's what I'll do. And don't spend all your life arguing. It's like two people when they get married and half of their life they spend trying to find out who's in charge. And just fight all the time. Instead of just realizing there's only one of them supposed to be the boss. It's the one she says. We'll move right along. We can get bogged down here very, very easy. But look at verse 2 again. By the renewing of your mind, get this, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of the potter. There is the will of the potter. And he's already explained that in chapter 9. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. God has a will. And he wants the clay. To yield to his will. But he doesn't do it against your will. If you want to rebel against God, you can. But just because God has a will doesn't mean that the clay doesn't have a choice to make. You see, God did not make us trust Christ as Savior. And God will not make you serve him. But I found out from studying the Bible, it's a lot better if we do. If you want to enjoy life better, I mean really enjoy life better. And that whenever you've lived for the Lord, there's not going to be years of regret. But you rebel against God, and you're going to have a hardened heart, and you're not going to enjoy life the way you should. And God will not be as precious to you. And then everything that happens to you, you'll question the wisdom of that. And then you get mad and upset with God. But if you're in the hands of God, and you're just the clay in the potter's hand, you don't care which way he turns you. You don't care how much water he has to apply you just want to yield to the will of God. But if you don't yield to the Lord, remember, you on the inside of you, you have an old sinful nature, and you also have the Holy Spirit. Which one do you yield to, the old sinful nature or the Holy Spirit? The world also wants to conform us. So he says, be not conformed to this world, it means you've got a choice. You can be. You can be just like the lost people, live just like the lost people. You can live like an atheist if you want to. Are you still God's child? Yes. Because once you trust Christ as Savior, you become a child of God. And God isn't finished with you yet. Remember, there's a song that came out years ago. uh, God isn't finished with me yet. I don't forget how it goes. He's still working on me. He's still working on you (laughs) to make you what you ought to do or something like that. But it's it's a cute little thing, but He hasn't finished with us yet. And God isn't finished with you yet. There's so much more that He wants to do. Look down at the bottom of your page. This is how the potter molds the clay. In order for the Lord to conform us to the image of His Son, He must transform us by the renewing of our minds. So you're the one, and I'm the one, that decides, well, will I read the Bible? Will I study the Bible? Will I go to Sunday school and church where I can hear more of the Bible? And then when I hear it, well, I apply it to my life. See, it's the applying of the scriptures that shapes your life. in one ear and out the other ear, and sometimes it never gets lodged in there. never makes a difference. Do you have the idea, Whatever the word of God says, whatever the will of God is, I'm willing to do. That's when you yield your bodies as a living sacrifice, as this piece of clay that God can take me and my will and everything about me and shape me into whatever God wants me to be. That's the best news in all the world. Now look down at the bottom of the page, right down at the bottom. To perform, you must be conformed by the potter's hands. The Holy Spirit is the power from within, and the world is the power from without. Now you're either going to be conformed to the world because of the pressure of the world or you can let the Holy Spirit that lives within you be the power that shapes you into what God wants you to be. And God can use anything that comes in life as long as it's in His hands. And you're in His hands, don't worry about it. Nothing else will matter. Because you've yielded yourself to the Lord and you're in God's hands. And you are willing to take whatever God wants to put in or whatever he wants, to take out and enjoy the ride. You're only going to live one time. Do it with all the gusto you can. Be excited about being alive, knowing you're a child of God, and God has a purpose for my being here. Now, look up here. If you're here today, and, or watching by internet, and you're not sure where you're going when you die, This is also some truth that a person can either accept or reject. God will not override your will. God doesn't force anybody to go to heaven. It's the choice. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents all the bad things that we've done. We call it mistakes and God calls it sin. Whatever it is, we did it. We have all sinned. And because we've all sinned, we're all condemned because the wages of sin is death. So we're all to be eternally separated from God forever in a literal fire burning hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as perfect and righteous as God. And none of us are righteous. None of us are perfect. So that's why God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven because you're already condemned. You're already condemned. So nothing after that you can do can change that. You can't get uncondemned. You've got to pay a debt. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because He loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So He came into the world because He loved us. Hated our sins. Took our sins. Paid for them on the cross. Came back from the dead. And said that whosoever, whosoever, would believe that he did it for them. God said he would save them and put this payment to their account. And they get to go to heaven on what he did for them. So you see, you don't earn it, you don't work. But God doesn't work against your will. God's will is that every man be saved. All would believe. So he made the salvation for everybody, paid for all the sins, so that anybody, whosoever, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, that's your choice. His choice was that he came into the world. And his choice was to pay for our sins. And his choice was to offer us eternal life. And it's your choice whether to accept it or to reject it. Doesn't that make sense? Is God wrong for doing it like this? Because if he didn't do it this way, see, nobody could go to heaven because nobody can earn it. Because he can't let sin into heaven because God's a just God and a holy God. So He made it in such a way that anybody can have it. He offers it freely. I just know it made sense to me, so I accepted Christ as my Savior. I believe He died on that cross and paid for my sins. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and have never trusted Christ as your Savior, believe this, that God loves you, and so do I. He wants you to go to heaven. So do I. I want you to know that you're going to heaven. And the only way, there's only one way, is did you or did you not trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe that when He died, He died for you? If you will believe that, then He puts that payment to your account. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did. See, the reason you can't go to hell is because you have a payment for your sins. He paid for all of them. There's no sin for you to pay for. Would you believe he did it for you? If you will, I'd like to have prayer for you. And if you will trust Christ as your Savior this morning, if you've never done it before, just between you and the Lord, I'm not going to have you forward, I'm not going to embarrass you. But I just want you to just to very quickly, quick as you can, just to slip it up and put it right back down. Say, so preacher, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Would you just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down? You don't want it all. You don't want it all. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, remember. You're His child and His child forever. And as a child of God, it is God's will that you let God mold you into the kind of a person God wants you to be. Father, we thank you again for this time together. We ask, Father, your blessings upon those that are here. And, Father, now as we look to the communion table, we realize that you've done some things that you want us to remember. And because it's to remember, it means that it's still for the purpose of molding us into the image of your Son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.